You're listening to the Utah Man Podcast, bringing you the latest news and analysis for your Utah Utes. Now, your hosts, Cameron, Ryan, and Scott. Welcome on into the Utah Man Podcast. We are celebrating a Pac-12 championship. I'm Cameron. We got Ryan. Hello, my fellow Pac-12 champs. And we got Scott. Feels good being up here on cloud nine, baby. Dude, I'm in such a good mood. I think I'm going to go this whole episode without telling Scott how much I hate him. (laughs) (laughs) I'll believe it when I see it. (laughs) That's big of you, Cam. (laughs) Holy crap. We were down in Vegas. What an incredible atmosphere game. We'll get into it. Man, the Utes, oh, man. the Utes can travel, can't they? What? Uh, that that was so fun driving down I fifteen, and every single car that we oh. saw had Utah gear all over it. And then pulling into Vegas, the strip was red. And then when we got to the game, it it had to be ninety percent Utah fans. Yeah, yeah. I think Kyle's estimation of four to one was a little conservative. It uh, I, there had there was there was forty thousand plus Ute fans down there. I've heard estimates as high as forty seven. Yeah, there there very well could have been. I mean, <laughs> it was it was absolutely insane. And then in in that in that you know in that stadium, it just it just traps that sound in, and it was so loud. I mean, from the minute we got in there, we got in there ninety minutes before kickoff. And as a as a punter, a kicker, a walk on would run onto the field, man, fans were just going crazy. It was easy to see who uh, who the majority of the fans were just because of the cheers that you'd hear. I, I saw someone tweet out that really it was Utah's fan base and then Oregon's band and their parents <laughs> were in attendance. <laughs> That's kind of what it looked it. like. <laughs> Well, yeah, especially across the field, the, between the 20s on that first level, there were huge chunks of just open seating that they did not fill. And, uh, you know, they they obviously weren't quite as excited for it, not as easy as a destination for, for them as it is for us and the, and the short drive that we had. But I'll tell you, man, that made for a fun environment for... Uh, or their fan base knew what was coming for round two. Yeah. <laughs> Although I don't know that any of the three of us knew what was coming, no, no, no one, no one predicted a second blowout. No, I don't. I don't think I I heard that from a single even Ute fan. Just pipe dreaming it. Who did not expect it? We all expect. That's what we a week ago we sat here in in the last podcast and talked about how we were going to get a different Oregon team. That they were going to they were going to come ready to get some revenge on this team that just embarrassed them in Rice Eccles. And they just laid down and let us embarrass them one more time. Which was it's it's so strange because that's not it's not the Oregon team that we've you know become accustomed to watching over the last few years. I mean, the Oregon ke- team that beat us in the same game two years ago showed up and completely dominated us. They did, they did, and and you know I, I think that to an extent that. You know, you've heard some rumors that maybe there is some uh, issues in the locker room with Oregon, maybe from s- certain situations. Obviously, with the coaching situation, rumors their OCs headed out of town. 
Cristobal is is now headed down to Miami. You know, there had maybe there were just some things that weren't correct. Well, um, but but I think the biggest thing is they had Anthony Brown a quarterback. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, if I was a skill player, that would be my number one gripe. He is not good. He he he's a good athlete. He's just not a good quarterback. He should not. There's a difference. He should not be playing quarterback. And and even that offense, it's like okay, he's clearly not. He's not a passer, right? He's pretty gifted runner. You know, I wouldn't say he's not Michael Vick by any means, but but he can he can run the ball, and yet they still didn't even run the ball that much with him. No, and they think they did again. They they really didn't go to die. This game, I think he finished fifteen carries. It was more than he had last time. Well, and, like, and and majority of those are coming in that fourth quarter, especially on that final drive where they ended up scoring that touchdown. So the game's already in hand at that point. I think for me, for this game, it all started um, as the teams ran out the field. I don't know if you guys noticed, but it seemed like with Oregon, they were just kind of running out as individuals whenever they're ready. They're just kind of cutting out on the field. Whereas Utah, they all held up and did you know their little sway and then ran out all juiced up together. I think for me, though, that really was the difference in the game is you had an Oregon team that played as individuals and you had a utah team that played as a unit well i mean far and away the be- the the better team by by a distinct margin i mean it was just utah dominated from the get-go again wasn't fluky no trick plays it was just utah just going out and 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 beating them and you know especially on that first drive if you remember first drive we're kind of around midfield and it's fourth fourth and one you remember how we started the 2019 Pac-12 title game? It, we went on a fourth and one or we fourth on and a, two. We went on a f- short fourth down, didn't get it, gave them great field position, and boom. I remember thinking at that time, all right, let's set the tone. And a little sneak by rising, they get the first down, and then just go down march, score, score on that first possession, which just set the tone, and just... From there, I mean, they just continued to play at a high level. Obviously, there were still some mistakes. I mean, they didn't they didn't play mistake free by any no, means. Not even close. No. But yet, I mean, you look at the stats. You you go over every aspect of this game, and it was just just complete domination but once it, again. We we talked about this as we were kind of sitting down there. The game, it if you eliminate it, which you can't go back and do obviously but if if utah plays a cleaner game and eliminates some of those penalties that killed drives in the second quarter this game would have been an even bigger blowout than it ended up being i mean you could have dropped 50 on them easy easy yeah some stalled drives obviously the two drives that end in turnovers the first one uh that noah sewell intercepts you know we're we're driving. We're about on what the thirty yard line going in. Mm-hmm. Um, so great field position, um, and uh, and then obviously that second one, which from our angle still was so bizarre. I don't, you know, I I kept thinking it had to have hit a wire. How did it just fall so short? But obviously on on some replays you could see. I mean, he just wasn't able to follow through, and that ball just gets sprung straight up in the air. But but even with those mistakes, because in years past against a good Oregon team, you throw two picks. I mean, that could be killer. Oh, for sure. Or you drop the ball running into the end zone. 
Yeah, I mean, obviously, in years past, that's come. That's come. You know, those mistakes have have hurt the youth, especially against the Ducks. So, I mean, I'll tell you what. What just overall? I mean, we'll break down this game, but it's just what a what a experience that was. What a moment in for history of this Utah football program. Get that monkey off their backs. Ten years in in as a P five team, and they rise to the top and are headed to. The Rose Bowl, baby. The granddaddy of them all. It almost doesn't seem real. I mean, we've been wanting this for, obviously, since we joined the Pac-12. We knew it wasn't realistic in their early years. But the last five years, it's been something that looks attainable. And and now it's here. It's here, and it's spectacular. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go to break. When we come back, let's jump into this game, really dive into it. So Scott always steals the music on the show, but right now I'm taking over. Ah. The Bed of Roses, Utes con the Rose Bowl. Love it, baby. I just want to be as close as Kyle Winningham is. (laughs) And Thick Boy, you can lay me down in a bed of roses. (laughs) Wow. I'm, I'm glad you didn't pick a, a meadow for a massage or something. <laughs> All right, so Utah gets this win, thirty-eight to ten. The offense just keeps humming along, and even with the two turnovers, to still put up thirty-eight points is remarkable. I mean, granted, seven of that came from the defense, uh, but I love that there was two turnovers by the offense. Uh, but they didn't have they didn't hold their heads down and they kept fighting they kept competing and and really just stepped on the throat of of Oregon I think the killer and uh, who knows I don't Oregon probably based off what we saw was probably not going to compete e- anyway but I think what took the wind out of their cells was Lloyd's pick six I mean Opening drive, we march down fairly easily and score, and then their next possession, boom, it's fourteen nothing. Well, go go back to that first drive. As soon as we score, I looked at that. I looked at the Oregon defense, and they all just kind of had their hands on their hips with their heads to the side. It just kind of looked like, oh boy, here we go again, you know. And then right, and then right after that, Lloyd Lloyd uh, with that pick six. The stadium is just on fire at that moment. That's when I lost my voice for the rest oh of the game. Oh my gosh, what what a <laughs> moment! But I'll tell you, I mean, Devin Lloyd, what a what a road Devin Lloyd has been on. Came to Utah as a two star safety recruit. I I looked at I looked over his profile today, his recruiting profile. One service had him a three star. One service had him a two star. His his two biggest offers were Utah, Boise State. There's a lot of whiffs wow. on that, but I mean, and now he's going to probably be a potential top ten pick in the NFL draft this year. What a ride, man! I mean, Kyle Whittingham is calling him arguably the best defensive player that has come through the program since he's been there. Which I I heard that too, and I, that speaks volumes when you've got guys. Eric Weddle. A lot of guys who have gone to the NFL from the from that defense. Luther Ellis. 
I mean, you, uh, I mean, there's been a ton of guys. Obviously, the most high profile are going to be like Luther, Eric Weddle. Um, and you, you've got a, you've got a bunch of studs along the way, but, uh, that's, that's pretty high praise. I'll tell you, man, what, uh, he's, he's going to be missed, but man, what a journey he's been on and just seeing him perform and to see him and Covey up there on, on that stage celebrating and hoisting that Pac-12 title, that just was awesome. Those two guys have led this team through some of the hardest things that any football team is going to go through. And they led them to the promised land through all of that. I just, hats off to those guys. And the thing I loved about that touchdown uh, by Lloyd is once he got in the end zone, do you see he threw up the number two? Yep. Two, two. Yep. And I think to me that really signified this whole mentality that this team has and, and how through tragedy they were able to build upon that for something better and something bigger than themselves. Well, and, I mean, you saw Kyle after the game just getting choked up about how difficult this was and and how proud that they were able to do it for those two boys you know and and you saw it again in the in the in the locker room you saw it in the in the press in the press uh, room afterwards i mean everybody was mentioning these guys Aaron Aaron Lowe's mom is the honorary um captain for the on the Utah side i mean it was just it was just awesome what what they've done and uh, and ultimately what they've overcome as as a program, and you can tell you could see the emotion at Kyle after. Sure, there was some relief there. Hey, we finally did this, but you could tell what has been wear- wearing on that team all season long because of what they've had to go through and how difficult that's been. So I mean, it's just obviously as fans, selfishly, we love that. Hey, we just won the Pac-12. Going to a Rose Bowl, he got that in our back pocket now. You know what? For those guys, for that program, those coaches who had to deal with that stuff on a daily basis, you just feel good for them. Well, and I think it speaks volumes of what this program is all about. And, you know, over the last couple of years, right, they always, the mantra is family on three. Um, for a team to deal with some, for a player to pass away, like they experienced with Ty Jordan having to deal with COVID and then come back, get a guys to regroup, not have the best out of conference play that you expected and then have another tragedy nine months apart and get, get this team to buy in, get this team to to play together. It would have been so easy for them to just pack it in and not really care the rest of the season. Well, it, it, uh, you it, see it that seemed with, like with, they were going that direction until Aaron Lowe's mom came into the locker room and told them to keep playing. That's what Aaron mm-hmm. wanted. And Kyle mentioned that is how their season turned around was that moment that she said, we want you guys to keep playing. That's what Aaron would want. You know, and that's, and from that moment, they just took it and they just ran with it. And I'm, what, <laughs> what a run, man. What an absolute amazing run. We're, we're going through, you fans right now are experiencing a run we may not see again with what Kyle Winningham has done here at Utah. He he is the Majerus of the football program. We we saw what has happened <laughs> since Majerus on the basketball program. Right? And I'm I'm scared to death of what potentially could happen once he's gone because he is I mean I, you you read social media and there were fans from 
at almost every Pac-12 team just saying, man, I'm so happy for Utah. Man, Kyle Whittingham, his teams are good every year. They're consistent. They're, they do things the right way. And sure, you're going to have some fans on the on the periphery who uh, who don't like Utah and whatnot. But there's, overall, there's just there's a lot fans of respect in the state of the school who don't like Kyle Whittingham. Sure, <laughs> sure. But I mean, he just, he just he he does it the right way. You know, he doesn't he doesn't slam people along the way. Um, he just he runs a good, clean program. He's a good guy. And and what he's done, I mean, it's remarkable. Utah's this little G five team in the Mountain West, and even even with Urban's influence in '03 and '04, what what Kyle's done since then, and how he's built the program into a consistent winner year in and year out, where we're Utah is now mentioned with the elites of the Pac twelve. They're right up there when they talk about USC. Oregon, Washington, and Utah. So Utah's been in in the conference for a decade now. They're going to their first Rose Bowl. ASU has only been to one in, in the nineties. In since seventy six, I think was when they joined the conference. Yeah, Arizona's never been to one. Uh, Oregon State has been like I think it's been like forty some odd years since Oregon State's been to one. UCLA has been t- over twenty years. Since UCLA's been to one in, in their, their own stadium. stadium. <laughs> so, I mean, you fans, when we say, you know, this this doesn't happen all the time, it doesn't. I mean, you can look at the Pac-12 and a lot of the teams in the Pac-12 and see that. That's why this is so special, why it's so big, and that's why we got to take advantage of it. we got to pack Pasadena. Keep buying Ohio State tickets, baby. All right, let's get into this offense real quick. Uh, can I, at one point in the game, I turned to to Ryan and I said, "Tavion Thomas has this whole thing figured out. He lets the offense do all the work into the goal line, and then he punches it in." <laughs> yeah, that's why he's got twenty of them. <laughs> I mean, because really, his numbers were were pretty pedestrian: eighteen attempts, sixty three yards. You know, it's a for his standards, it's pretty pretty mediocre game, but he still had those two TDs, right? Because goal line comes, he's the guy. It's interesting. I mean, we kind of joke about it, but it's interesting. He he's obviously had a heck of a season and had some games where he's broken off some big runs. But um, in this game, particularly when they're in between the twenties, every time not every time, but a lot of times he'd run it and you know a yard, a two, three. They'd figure him out, and then he gets inside the five, inside the ten, and it's like he's not he finds the right hole, and he, nobody is anywhere near him. I, I I don't know what the what the deal. I don't know if he's not finding the right hole between the twenties, and then he finds it at the end zone. I, I don't know what's going on, but a, a lot of men have that problem. <laughs> But obviously, he gets it done when it counts. <laughs> well, I mean, just you look look across the board. I mean, Cam Rising's your leading rusher on the day. Nine attempts, seventy one yards. Most of those yards came on on uh, 
two of those carries where he, which both those carries were phenomenal. Phenomenal. The stiff arm of Noah Sewell. Oh, it was awesome. But he's got to hold on to the ball because he did lose it both times. <laughs> Luckily, that one went out of bounds. The other one, they would have ruled down. Yeah, had it he, he was. He was down by contact. But uh, but that that particular one, he was out running their, their DBs. DBs. Yeah. He he's he's. It's crazy how fast he is because he doesn't he doesn't look like a speedster, and but he's just, he's just quick mm-hmm. and and he can and he can accelerate quickly. It doesn't take him long to get up to speed. You know, so he, thick legs, those thick <laughs> legs, man, thick boy is getting the job done. But I'll you know, and then you know, TJ Pledger five attempts, uh, twenty yards, um, and a touchdown, and a touchdown, touchdown. Mika Bernard came in. Micah Bernard, whatever his name Mackay. is, Mackay. Mackay. Third times the charm, Mackay. And uh, I, I thought he looked good, you know. And so, just I'll tell you, man, we have so much talent in that backfield right now. Running behind an offensive line that just played an, another phenomenal game. With, kudos, oh, absolutely, kudos, Mister Jim Harding, man. You figured out uh, what needed to get done and got these got these guys playing at an extremely high level. I that's has to be the biggest turnaround of any position group, and, did, I, did, and possibly ever in Utah history. Did you see? Did you see Harding after the game? You know, as soon as they won, he kind of went over by himself and just took a minute and was crying. And you know, I mean, you see, you see those types of. Um, that emotion come out of these guys and it just shows you how hard they've worked for this and how they've been grinding for so long. Cause this staff has been together a long time outside of a couple guys, you know, Bumpus is new. Um, but outside of that, this core has been together for a while and they've been working so hard and you just see that emotion. It's just, you just can't help, but just feel so happy for those guys. But, but Cam, you're right. That turnaround is unreal because after game three, we were sitting here talking about how they couldn't block anybody. No. Well, they couldn't. I mean, I mean the, the defensive linemen were arriving to the quarterback the same time he got the ball in that San Diego State <laughs> game. <laughs> you know, it's, it's true. I mean, it was, it, was, it was laughable how bad. Literally, they were okay against Weber State. Not but very, that's a D2 opponent. Right. Not very good against BYU. And then third week against San Diego State. I mean, they looked so much worse. It was, we all were just sort of going like, what is going on with this unit? Phil Still had, had in the preseason, Utah's the fifth best offensive line in the country. And we all were going, what are you talking about? Fifth worst. <laughs> but you know what? At the end of the season, they're right there. Uh-huh. As one of the elite units in in the in the country, not just the Pac-12, and obviously there's some coaching involved in there, uh, and some effort and sacrifice put in by those players. But it was almost like a switch went off in that San Diego State game when they pulled Brewer and put in Rising. Rising had some issues with escaping the pocket in to get Utah back in that game, but. It's almost like they protected him better than they did Brewer. And from there on out, it was lights out. They had a thing for Thick Boy, man. <laughs> I don't know what else to tell you. I, I don't either. It, it was but but it's 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 like a tangible difference. Oh, for sure. No, it is. Between 
the team with Brewer and the team with Rising. And, you know, I mean, there's a lot of talk on Twitter right now. If, you know, had had Rising been the starter from day one, would Utah be undefeated? Would Utah have one loss and be potentially in the playoff right well, now? There's there's national sportscasters that have said on Twitter, if Cam Rising was your starter from day one, Utah's a playoff team. Right. I mean, and 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 how many guys, Kirk Kerbstreet, just on uh, just yesterday when they're announcing the final college football playoff ranking said there's not a team in the in the country playing as good as Utah right now nobody wants to play Utah right there's a i mean a lot of high praise coming Utah's way right now because of what of how they've played and you just go and dismantle Oregon twice when they're in the top 10 twice and you just embarrassed them and, and and it goes beyond that Oregon game because you look at what they did to the Pac-12. Eight and one. Eight and one is remarkable. And you know what? And, and they're, if you they're a that, blocked punt away from going perfect in conference play. And I was going to say, with the, with the Oregon State, it, it was a nail-biter right there. And and to your point, Scott, yeah, the, a, a blocked punt was, was the difference. Well, technically two blocked punts. <laughs> and it wasn't even, that necessarily. Necessarily wasn't even on the offense. The offense put up enough points in that oh, game. For sure. That was just it was, the it was, defense. It was special teams and defense that cost them that game. And I remember, you know, we talked after after that game, and I remember saying, this defense is not good enough to win us a Pac-12 title. Boy, I've been so wrong <laughs> so many times on this podcast this year. Wait, wait, wait. Can we, can we get that again? Hey, I'll, I'll admit it, man. You know, I've had some bad takes, but but honestly, you go back to that game, not just that game, but even early on in the season, our defensive line was Swiss cheese. Awful. Just couldn't stop the run. Couldn't even get to the quarterback. And here well, we, in that particular game, they couldn't stop the run. And then when they decided to throw, they'd shred the corners. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, the secondary was awful. It was just, you looked at that and go, man, even as good as we are offensively right now, it may not be good enough to hide how bad this defense is, but I'll tell you, kudos to to Morgan Scally to uh, to really all of the defensive coaches because they turned this this young, inexperienced defense into absolutely absolute studs. Zamaya Vaughn, guys, he probably shouldn't even be on the field. Well, he's a walk on, I and, think, and and he's starting. He's a starting outside corner for the last six, seven games as a result of injury, but he's gotten better over. Right. right? I mean, it's just we're so young on that defensive line. You're so young in the secondary, and they just, they've come together. They've progressed extremely well. I'll tell you. That I mean, secondary is going to have to play lights out against Ohio State. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and, uh, and Vaughn and actually out. tweeted today that he had surgery and is on the man. I what don't know. What was his injury? Did any did it ever come out? Well, I I heard that they were looking at his ankle um, when he was down on the field, um, but then apparently he came out with a cast basically all the way up to his knee, or a brace all the way up through his knee down to his lower, lower leg. So, hmm. don't know exactly what the issue is there, but if he had surgery, I out we're gonna see him in the rose bowl which means uh, another brand new corner clark phillips is literally on an island by himself <laughs> i mean i don't know if 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 kane savage is the next guy up um if pleasant is the next guy up it'll be interesting to see or but- do you put cole bishop at corner 
I don't know. Is he fast enough? I almost think you 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 may be you see um, Malone Mattaelli move out. Move out. He's been in. He's been a slot guy. Does he move out and and maybe you put Savage in in the slot? I don't know. Obviously, the, the coaches were are going to be probably experimenting in the, in the coming weeks and and seeing what you know. I I think they're going to get creative. You may even see three safeties out on the field as good as and productive as the safeties have been. Um, and and Cole Bishop may be kind of a hybrid of of. You may see Cole maybe even in some slot coverage. I don't know, but it'll be it'll be interesting to see what they do because Ohio State is dynamic in the passing game. Those wide receivers are elite. Three one thousand yard receivers. Yeah, I mean they're all going to be in the NFL one day, so they're they're going to test us, and it's it's going to you know the defensive line is going to have to be awesome getting at the quarterback and not giving him much time. This will be a good test for you, so. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. But, uh, yeah, I mean, overall, I know I just jumped from uh, this game to the Rose Bowl, but <laughs> going back to uh, going back to this game, I mean, just the growth that this team on both sides of the ball. And isn't except it funny? Sp- except special teams. But, but isn't it funny? Two Oregon games, special teams was awesome. Both Oregon games. They sucked. Every other game of the season, <laughs> they did have the bad snap on the extra point. But, well, that's uh, true. They, it's just true. They but yeah, they, that. I mean, they figured out the punt game to a certain extent. They, you know, they changed up the blocking and had the lefty. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I still get nervous with it. Oh, I, I did, I but did you know too. what? He had two punts, averaged fifty-one yards. It's pretty good. Good. good results, at least. Okay. Well, we're up against a break. Uh, when we come back. Let's, let's dive more into special teams and and defense here. All right, so special teams, phenomenal. They get a 50-yarder. That's huge. Right before halftime. Because of Anthony <laughs> oh Brown. I, Thank we, you, sir. We were all like, why did he throw that? But I loved that Kyle made him pay for it, and they didn't just sit back and take a knee and go to locker room with the, with the lead. What I said earlier, they stepped on Oregon's throat and made them pay for their mistakes. That's a different Kyle than he's, we've seen in the past. He's cutthroat now, man. He's just, he just, he well, doesn't care. He's probably, well, he, he's obviously learned over the years and how to be a better coach. And I think some of that is just learning by how, how things play out. You got to, I got to change that up next time this situation comes around. And, and he has. Look how many times they went on fourth down this year. I mean, we even talked about it at the start of the game. I think I think part of that was due to just having an absolute anemic punting game, right? <laughs> well, they even went to the the Cam Rising punt thing. That's right. how that's how bad that's, the special teams. That's has been. how bad they were. I mean, it, it, they truly were. But but you're right to that point. Even with a bad punt game, they just there's 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 an aggressiveness there, and and part of that is having confidence in in your offense, having confidence in your quarterback to make good decisions, having confidence that your O line can get that one yard when you absolutely need it on fourth down. And they've proven that over the course of this year that they can do that. And I think it's also the confidence in your defense if you don't get it. Because uh, that's the other flip side to it is if they don't get that at the beginning of the game, you're giving Oregon great field position. Uh, as you said, Scott, just like in 2019. Uh, for me in this defense, they weren't perfect all season long. We, we mentioned the Oregon State game. But that youth has really grown, and Clark Clark Phillips was a stud, an absolute stud. 
stud in that championship game. Oh, yeah. Um, he had that, obviously, that huge uh, fourth down stop, which really that sealed the game. When when they went for it on fourth down, and I I have no idea why the play was for Anthony Brown to throw the ball all the way across the field, but but nonetheless that's what they did. Great play, great um, play on the ball by Phillips there, and that that essentially won Utah the game, even though there wasn't you know essentially the entire fourth quarter to go. He's a COVID freshman, and he's essentially become a shutdown corner. Yeah, and you know what's awesome. Remember, remember who he was committed to before he flipped to Utah? Ohio State. I was Ohio thinking about that this State. morning. I was thinking about this, pay little, the similarities. Get a shot at him. Urban Meyer, both places. And then I was thinking Clark's Phillip. Uh, Tavion Thomas is from Ohio. Tell you, we've got a uh, big opportunity ahead of us. But I'll tell you, what a night. What a night that was. History was made. It just felt good walking around Vegas, just knowing we're Pac-12 champs, Rose Bowl bound, baby. I think Cameron saw more in Vegas than we did. <laughs> yeah, Cam, you want to tell us about your experience? <laughs> all I, all I want to say is Allegiant Stadium was pretty cool. <laughs> as, as That's not what we're, we're talking about. <laughs> and I did love walking across the freeway on, on that bridge they shut down to traffic to allow the uh that, that was pretty cool. That was nice, but it was cool it was to see sea just of the red. sea of red. Yeah, that's what we talked about. That, and I think to me, that made that game so much fun. I mean, obviously, winning helps everything, but the fact that Utah fans came out and just where this program is, like, I'm so excited for this program, and I, like, I don't know, I don't know what to say. I just this program is on the rise, and I love it. The future is bright for this program. Because of the man leading the program. And with what he just accomplished, he has now gone to a Fiesta Bowl, a Sugar Bowl, and now the granddaddy of them all, Kyle Winningham. Build that man a statue. Let's get started right now. Oh, Scott. Are you gonna put are you gonna make the statue on the pottery wheel? Come on, guys. Jump on this jump on the wheel with me. Why do I let him take control sometimes? Okay, we're going to start at the calves. We're going to need a lot of clay here. (laughs) Big, bulging calves. (laughs) If you people could only see him. Pull it up. Are you guys going to help or just watch? (laughs) We're just watching. This is all you. I don't want to do either. (laughs) You know what? If Utah Athletics is not going to build this man a statue, I'm going to do it myself. Nobody said Utah Athletics wasn't going to do it. I think the man's got to retire before you build him a statue. Doesn't mean you can't start (laughs) sculpting it right now. Now's the time. Well, with your skills, it might take that long. Look at those calves. <laughs> There's like definition there. He looks like he's flexing them. He's not. It's all bulge. What? We're working on it, Kyle. We'll get there. Only get. We only got the lower body today. What? To, but okay. Honest. I need your honest 
thoughts on this. What is the pose that Kyle Whittingham's statue is going to be? The pose of him after the championship game when he's like pointing up. You think? Oh yeah. That's not. I, I don't know that I'm on board with that. Because he just did it one time. Does does the statue have a goatee or not? I think it's got to have a goatee, but it's also got to have his play sheet coming out of his belt. <laughs> <laughs> Is it long hair, Kyle? Yeah. Oh yeah. We're no. We're no long hair, Kyle. We got on this run as soon as he got a haircut. We're staying. We're staying military cut. Nice, nicely groomed, Kyle. I can just see it now. I can just. I can just feel the comb over. <laughs> Just let it set in, boys. Let the let the clay mold your hands. Let it take you where it wants to go. Kyle Whittingham statue coming 2022. <laughs> All right, let me let me wash my hands here real quick, gentlemen. I think we forgot an important part. In our earlier discussion, we owe a big thank you to Fernando. How could we forget Fernando? We're attempting to get Fernando back on the line. I don't know if I don't know if we can on such short notice. He's he's out there curing the world of of hexes and curses. But we do want to say, Fernando, thank you because you eased our pain. Eased our pain. All right, we got to wrap this up. We're getting out of control here. Uh, just quick final thoughts. Uh, Pac-12 champs, how good does that feel? Feels like we're on top of the world, baby. I, I'm telling you, it just it sets this program up onto another level, and I, I it feels it feels really good. I and I think you know what, Kyle. Gets on a plane and he's out recruiting the very next day. He's down in Florida. Word word is, I think I think Utah's going to hit this transfer portal out of the ballpark mm-hmm. with what they just did. Their reputation, all the turmoil in the college coaching world right now. You don't you don't get steadier and more loyal than the Utah coaching staff currently. So. I think big things are coming Utah's way. And there's already a couple rumors out there before the game. I think this really has helped easier to sell the program. We may have some more hermanos on the team. For those of you that don't speak (laughs) Spanish, that's brothers. All right, so that will do it for us on this episode. Ryan, where can people find you on Twitter? At Drum and Feather. That's Drum, the letter N, Feather. And Scott? You can find me right next to the Utes atop the Pac-12, headed to Pasadena. Come join us. It's going to be a party. Ute man underscore forever. Let's go. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Utah Man Podcast, our home UtahManPodcast.com. And you know, we'll take a, a little short break, uh, but we'll be having an episode published before the Rose Bowl, kind of breaking down that matchup between the Utes and the Buckeyes. Until then, go Utes. Go Utes, Pac-12 champs. Go Utes, we'll be till I die, Kai-yai. We're good, let's cut it. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are their own and are no way affiliated with the University of Utah. I've got ear- earphones in listening to music and 
we're driving through Beaver, and all of a sudden, like, are we stopping for ice cream? <laughs> like, there. I mean, we just passed it. What do you mean? Are we stopping? <laughs> we just had lunch. <laughs> So then I have to get off of the next exit. We go back to the creamery. Oh, no. Uh, I didn't even know there was a creamery. It's pretty good. Oh, it's, yeah, it's good. And so we get there and go in. And the entire Allegiant Stadium was in line for ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we were there for quite a while. <laughs> 